You're listening to the Christian Humanist Radio Network, ChristianHumanist.org. Before They Were Live, a monthly conversation about the Disney animated canon in chronological order. This month, we welcome you to join Michael and I as we go deep into the woods, do our best to follow our father's advice to eat our greens and say things that are nice or nothing at all. If we aren't careful, we may end up Twitterpated, and we'll find out if Michael will let me call him Flower if I want to. All this and more as we discuss 1942's Bambi. How are you doing today, Michael? I'm good, Josh. I think uh, this is the third week in a row. No, it's like the third week out of the last month that you have talked to a farmer or both of us on Saturday morning. That's right. It's a, it's becoming a bit of a tradition, which yeah. is nice. So this show wasn't involved, but I, I should go ahead and, and plug it anyway. If you don't subscribe to the other shows on our network, we did a massive crossover for Halloween. We watched the Universal Monster movies. And Josh went on the Christian Feminist podcast and talked very ably, I thought, about the Phantom of the Opera. Well, that's very kind of you to say. And I'm sure you and uh, Danny and I forget who the other one was. Katie um, Grubbs. That, oh, yeah, Katie Grubbs. That's right. Or uh, You guys were t- discussing Wolfman. Right? Yeah, we had a good time too. Yes, but I have not had a chance to listen to it yet, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. I have to say, I'm out of the ones yet. I've seen, and we've watched, I don't know, four or five of them, uh, Phantom of the Opera, I think, is the best. I really enjoyed it. Which, if people listen to go and listen to the other show, they'll find out that I think it is my favorite Phantom of the Opera, um, with my very small sample size of only having seen two. But. Yeah, I've also seen two, and it's my favorite. But anyway, yeah. so that's on the Christian Feminist Podcast, which you can get through iTunes. And uh, uh, go on that show, and you'll hear people plug the other ones, uh, rather than me trying to give you all five of them right now. Yeah. Also 1942, I think, right? Or 43. I, I think Is it's it 43, 43, yeah. Oh, it's same year yeah. as Bambi. I thought you were correcting me. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I, no, I wasn't. I wasn't correcting you. I was saying, like, it, interestingly enough, that this is not only multiple Saturdays in a row talking to you. It's also mul- multiple Saturdays in a row talking about 1940s films. So. Well, you were certainly, you were certainly ready to talk about 1940s films because we've been here for a while now. Uh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, let's let's just jump right in. What were you, what were some of your impressions of of Bambi? You know, I watched this a couple years ago. Again, I, I was sick and I watched a bunch of cartoons because you don't have to pay as close attention to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I was surprised. See, what everybody remembers is Bambi's mom getting shot, right? I mean, that's the that's the iconic scene from the movie. It's it's the only thing some people know about Bambi. Mm-hmm. And I, I was struck a few years ago by how early in the movie that happens. It's about the halfway point. And then the rest of the movie isn't really about that at all. But that's the that's the part that has stayed in uh, stayed in popular culture. Yeah, for sure. Actually, I think, and I think mostly. Well, I was going to say something, and then I, I think I, I, it's not true, so never mind. But I think that that first half of the movie before uh, before Bambi's mother is shot, it's, maybe it seems a little more iconic. Uh, than the rest of the movie. 
the baby the baby Bambi I think is is more like you see you see him around still more sort of than the the adolescent or older Bambi. Yeah, and well, and it's it's kind of disturbing in its way to hear those animals that you're used to thinking of as being babies talk in the voices of grown men. Yeah. Bambi himself in particular, I think, is 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 a little disturbing. I, I maybe disturbing is not the right word, but it 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 felt wrong to me. It catches you off guard a little bit, but there's a there's a surprisingly small amount of dialogue in this film. I think I I was watching one of the documentaries and they said it was under a thousand words, I believe. Oh, interesting. I I mean the first ha- the first part of the movie and I I timed it. I mean, I didn't time it. I looked at my DVD player, which tells you how far into the movie you are. There's really not tension in this movie until like 28, 30 minutes in when there's the thunderstorm uh, mm-hmm. for, for for Little April Showers, the song. Uh, yes. There, there's really nothing threatening or sad or anything before that. It, 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 is, it is 30 minutes of gentleness, which, I mean, makes sense because... This is a movie about losing your innocence, right? This is a movie about death entering a child's world. So it makes sense that before Bambi's mother dies, the world is pure and good. And then after after she dies, you get more adult things going on that I'm sure we'll talk about. Yeah, I think that does make sense. Because then after that, you get, uh, you know, romance centers it and uh, with the Twitter pated and, and things like that. That I think is the other sort of, at least in my mind, the other iconic scene. That's why I kind of caught myself earlier. And I think some of that comes from what we we discussed uh, several episodes ago now, I think maybe in our first episode, about the way that, that Disney repackages things. And so, Well, and I talked, I, I, talked um, I think, in Pinocchio, maybe, about the Disney Christmas special From All of Us to All of You. Mm-hmm. And it it features the sequence where Bambi is learning to walk on the uh, on the frozen pond. So that's th- that's yeah. actually the other one I think of. Yes, I think of that one. And then we must have had a Valentine's one or something. I th- I, I have um, Stevie Wonder in my head when I see certain Bambi scenes because uh, <laughs> it was it, the it was the scenes from Bambi that were set to. Um, I just called to say I love you, I believe. That yeah. sounds like the most sentimental thing a human being's ever produced. <laughs> so. And it's weird because this movie's not incredibly sentimental. I mean, there's there's definitely parts to it. But, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that what we remember is Bambi's mother being shot tells you this movie is fairly dark. I, I mean, I was going to say fairly dark for an early Disney movie, but that's not really true. They're all, as we've been talking about, they're all the first five are all pretty dark. Um, yeah, so it, it fits in that line, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I have a I have a quote from Walt Disney about that. Um, so yeah, after this movie came out, he he got some he got some uh, what criticism that it was too harsh that it was you know everyone's in this harsh reality because of the time of the war and things like that, and um, even his daughter complained uh, to her dad that. That Bambi's mom didn't need to die, uh, and he answered that he was following the book, and she retorted that he changed lots of things from the book and so he could have <laughs> changed anything. Um, but then I like what he said here. He said, "Life is composed of lights and shadows, and we would be untruthful and sincere and saccharine if we tried to pretend there were no shadows." 
Yeah, yeah, and I, I really think those first five movies do a really good job at that. I, I will say, I do think she has to die. I think, I think the themes of the movie demand it. I mean, this is, this is, as I said, a movie about losing your innocence. It's a movie about becoming an adult, and part of that is if it's not about your parents dying, my parents are still alive. It's about coming to terms with the fact that you are, in all likelihood, going to outlive your parents. So I, I, I think internally the movie needs that. And depending on what Disney was trying to do, I think externally it's a very helpful thing. I mean, I, I suspect this is the place where a lot of children realize that everybody they know is going to die. What a cheery topic for a Saturday morning. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it, it goes, it also it fits in with the whole idea of this this film being cyclical it it yes. ends where it begins and so it's it's trying to portray you know it it portrays all four seasons and it portrays you know the beginning of life and then having kids and it portrays the death within there too because it's it's kind of this whole thing of of you know bambi's experience in the world which is you know broader all of our experiences in the world like what you know what do we experience what is, what is life um and i feel like it's it, you even see that in the that opening song of love is a song and the lyrics there um, love is a song that never ends um, and it says hope may die yet love's beautiful music comes each day like the dawn and it's uh, and then it repeats love is a song that never ends but it says one simple theme repeating and I think that's you know that just sums up the themes of the movie right there it's a it's a lovely song and and that song and the the cyclicality and and before I go on I should say the cyclicality here is done really really well. Um, Disney returns to that in The Lion King very famously, um, but The Lion King spells it out for you. The Lion King begins with a song called The Circle of Life, as everybody knows. Mm -hmm. um, Bambi's all about the circle of life, but it doesn't have to tell you it's all about the circle of life. It lets you kind of work that out. Yes. Yeah, I mean those those lyrics that I just quoted are basically all you get. Um, I think they do they do match the theme, but you're right that it's definitely not um, as in your face as uh, the circle of life, um, which so somewhat ironically and not on purpose at all. Um, I watched both of these movies back to back last night, um, and so I watched The Lion King with my kids because we often watch movies on Friday nights. And then um, I watched Bambi in preparation for the show, and I had held back on Bambi because I couldn't remember how intense the death scene actually was. Um, and my kids have seen The Lion King before, but then as I was as I was watching Bambi, I was like, "What? Like they they totally could have handled this because they just watched um, uh, The Lion King, which is which I think handles it in in a very different way, but much more intense." Um, uh, well, I don't know. I think it's interesting. The intensity level is different. And um, so the first time we showed The Lion King to my kids, uh, we skip. We've always skipped Scar's song because it's that's a pretty intense. Um, I don't know. Just the the visuals and the music together are pretty intense. Um, but we showed. We actually showed the the wilder the wildebeest stampede and things like that. Not to get too far straight from Bambi here, but. Um, and that was maybe slightly too intense, especially for the smaller ones. So in repeated viewings, we usually skip basically from uh, when Scar starts his song all the way until Simba has run away. Um, and so we do we do cut out. I mean, they know what happens, but we cut out that intense 
those intense moments of the film just for their mostly for their sleep for our own sanity right <laughs> sure sure and your um, oldest child is five years old no my oldest is seven so seven. i think she would yeah she would handle it differently for sure but um we usually watch it as a family and so my youngest one is three so she's she's seen things um maybe that she doesn't need to see yet definitely we didn't let our oldest see when she was three but that's part of the perks of being the younger kid i guess yeah um, I, I think that's interesting in a in a world where a lot of kids see the lion king first bambi the death in bambi may seem kind of anticlimactic yeah but i'll tell you what i think the difference is in bambi is um for me at least is it's that panic of not knowing what happened yeah and like what what hits me every time and it hit me when i was a kid too is when bambi first runs back into the thicket and he turns around and he said we made it mom we made it and that just (laughs) it's just it's hard you know it's just really hard and then there's a, a very extended scene of bambi running around uh looking for his mom and calling for her and and i think in that in its own way that is a very different emotion than the emotion that is shown in uh, the lion king well and and there's guilt in the lion king i mean the 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 point is that that simba feels guilty for his father's death he feels like it's his fault even though it's not or i mean it is in a in a technical way but not in a not in a meaningful way and and bambi is is really more about just finding yourself lost in the world and the the to me the incredible scene in his mother's death is when he finds his father, the, the great prince of the forest, and mm-hmm. uh, this happens because they're going out in the spring. They haven't eaten all winter, and they go out in the spring and they find fresh grass. And it's it's right after that the the hunters kill the mother. Mm-hmm. And by the time he gets back to the thicket, it's there's a blizzard going on. So so you have this you have this rebirth spring that has been deferred by his mother's death. Um, mm. So he he goes out and finds his father, and the snow is so thick that you can barely see either one of them. And the father says something. I didn't write it down. The father says something like, uh, you can't see her again. Do you remember what he says? It's something to that uh, effect. Yeah, something like that. Your mother can no longer care for you or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember exactly the words. It's yeah, really, it's, really brutal really and unsentimentalized, hard. right? I mean, this is not yes. a sentimental movie in its way. I mean, mm-hmm. like I said, there's sentimental stuff, but like that scene is brutal and it doesn't pull its punches and the, the, the snow animation, I think it's just terribly effective. I didn't remember the father um, taking care of him. Yeah, and he really doesn't. I mean, so he shows up in that scene... And then uh, the next thing you see is it really is spring. And then you get the, you know, whatever that song is, the, the spring song. Let's sing a gay little spring song. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's very lighthearted. It's a, it's a, it's a big jump, I feel like, emotionally. And then, and then Bambi shows up as a, as a young buck. And so you, you kind of miss the whole his father cares for him. His father shows up again at the end to um, – you know, to push him to go on after Bambi himself has been shot, which I forgot about. Yeah. I forgot. I, the, 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 the huge fire, uh, uh, the forest fire. Yeah. Well, I remembered the forest fire, but I forgot that amidst the forest fire that he also, that Bambi also gets shot. And so, and then his dad shows up to, you know, basically tell him he's got to move. But. Yeah. Not to save him, which is interesting to me. 
because he's an adult now. Like like his parents, mm. his parents don't take care of, and uh, apparently, stag parenting is always kind of hands off. <laughs> but yeah. Um, but but yeah, he says you've got to get up, you've got to do this, and and, and yeah. part of that is how's a deer going to help a wounded deer? What's <laughs> from a forest fire? What's he going to do? Pick him up? Right. But I, I mean, I think it works thematically with the movie as well. Uh, the the Bambi. It's again, it's unsentimental. Like like he doesn't. Mm-hmm. There's no slack cut for him. There's yeah. no Deus ex machina. I guess mm-hmm. in, in a way his father is, but his father doesn't save him. Like I said, he just encourages him to save himself. Yeah. I think I was going to say earlier about the cyclicality. I think this movie is unsparing the way pagan mythology is unsparing, and it's connected to the seasons in the same way. So if you think about the ancient Greeks, they have this cyclical conception of time, where time's not headed anywhere; things just repeat endlessly. Um, so, for example, in Oedipus Rex, and I, I think you just want me to be on the show so I can make ridiculous comparisons to classic literature and philosophy. <laughs> but <laughs> that is not entirely true. But yes, I do. I I really enjoy this. So yes, but, please so go if on. You, if you think about Oedipus Rex, Oedipus Rex is a, is a, is cyclical, um, both in the sense that it, it's part of a play cycle, but also in the sense that Oedipus saves the city. And then at the beginning of the play, the city finds itself in peril again. And it's always going to. Whoever's in charge, uh, Thebes is always is, is always on the verge of collapsing. And, and so that, that's how time works for the pagans. And, and that's why I think it's interesting, that line that you quoted from Love is a Song, that it's just this one theme repeating. Because that's exactly mm. right. It's, it's not a Christian conception of time. The Christian conception of time is that it's a, more or less a straight line, right? We're, we're headed towards something. There's an eschaton. There's no eschaton here. It's just this endless cycle. Now, that seems fine to me in a, in a movie about animals. You know what I mean? If, if, if Bambi had an eschaton, I think it would be kind of a weird movie. Mm. But it is, I, I think, a deeply pagan movie. Maybe, maybe one of the most maybe one of the most pagan children's cartoons I've ever seen. Yeah. So it's no all dogs go to heaven is what you're saying. Yeah. Or, well, not even, it's not even the lion king, the, the lion king, the lion king has progress. Hmm. I mean, yeah. it's, the lion king begins as, as we said with the, with the circle of life, but really, I mean, it doesn't end where it begins. As far as I can remember, I haven't seen the lion king since the 1990s. Um, but Bambi, really, I mean, there's no progress. Yeah. What, whatever happens to Bambi is going to happen to his two fawns as well. I mean, his th- those fawns' parents are going to die. They're going mm-hmm. to uh, they're going to have to grow up. They're going to have children of their own, and then they're going to die. Hmm. Yeah. So that's really interesting. I had not thought about that at all. So I think it would be really hard to make a sentimental version of a Greek myth. Yeah. How about Hercules? <laughs> I've only seen Hercules once, and it was a long time ago. But when we get there, my guess is we're going to find that it's not terribly, <laughs> terribly true to the spirit of the myths. <laughs> okay. Um, I've not seen that one in a long time either, so I can't speak to it here. My wife loves it. 
Oh yeah, she loves it. Yeah, uh, which she she showed it to me when we first started dating, and that's the only time I've ever seen it. Yeah, I thought it was fine. Um, I remember that, but I don't I don't I don't remember anything else about it. Yeah, well we we will get there. Um, yeah, so uh, okay, so I think I would like to hang out on this idea for just a, um, another minute longer here. So um, so in the Christian view of time, uh, we do have a a moment where well. So I'm thinking about the fact that, you know, God is Alpha and Omega, and he's, you know, um, I, I, there's, I guess there's several ways you can go with this, right? Like there's the, the idea of him saying, uh, you know, uh, sorry, I'm stumbling over my words here. You might have to add some of this out. Um, you know, Jesus uh, speaking to the, the Pharisees and talking about the fact that God says, um, that he is the God of of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and it's it's that present tense. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. You know so the passage God's I'm talking out, about? Yeah, God's outside of time. Yeah, God God has this. Yeah, there's this idea that that he's the God of the living and not the dead. There's the idea of um, within the within the Eucharist that idea of um, remembering uh, what has happened, but also looking forward to what what will happen. Well, um, and then even even human beings, at least in, in the New Testament, you have the perseverance of the saints. You have this notion that the veil between living and dead is very thin. And so if, hmm. you're, if, if you belong to high church uh, traditions, you venerate the saints because they're still alive. And, and, you know, in fact, they're more alive than you in some ways. So you ask them to pray for you or, yeah. So you you exit history when you die, I think is the is the idea. Yeah. But my I think I think my point is Christianity and Judaism have history. And mm-hmm. and Greek paganism you can't have history, you only have mythology. You have these stories that repeat over and over and over again. And and the the truth of them, the historicity of them is beside the point. I'm sure I'm sure many ancient Greeks believed these stories were literal, but you don't have to to understand their power. Meanwhile, uh, Christianity, I mean, think of the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed features two historical names. He was born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate. That 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 enters Christianity into history in a way that the story of Oedipus can't be entered into history. Even by the way, if there was a historic king named Oedipus. Hmm. So do you know the with? So I'm I'm thinking, uh, you know, I don't know how well your ancient church history is, um, or how much you've read the fathers. Like, what is 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 this in some of their arguments as far as like? Like when they're dealing with pagan beliefs around them, are they are they addressing any of this? And any, I mean, are you familiar with any of that? I've I've read a few things, and in fact, the Christian Humanist podcast we're recording on Monday is all about the letter of First Clement. But the 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 church fathers I've read mostly are talking to the church, and they're more concerned with the differences and similarities between Christianity and Judaism than they are with uh, the paganism. And and by the by the time of the Romans, I think paganism is largely. I, I think they 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 don't take it seriously anymore. So so you think of, like Stoicism arising instead, and Stoicism also doesn't really have progress. 
as far as I know. I don't know. I'm, this is, it's beyond my pay grade to answer that question, although it's a very good question. Okay. Whether, like, Justin Martyr might say something about this, that, that's the person I would expect. Okay. talk about the animation which i think in in places is as beautiful as anything we've seen so far and i'm, I'm thinking in particular of uh little april showers that sequence that's to me one of the very best songs in the disney canon um and the, the animation's really gorgeous with the with the the rain and the the thunder and lightning in particular i think is really well done the way it lights up parts of the scene but not the other and there's one scene there's one scene where the the lightning flashes and you can you can see through a leaf and you see its mm-hmm. its structure uh, veins inside it i i just think that that sequence is so great yeah i agree with you so much the the way that this movie looks is the way i want my animated movies to look not that they can never look differently but I wish we saw more of this. Like I, I cannot think of another movie. I was, I was struggling to think of one that, that moves me visually the way that this one does. Um, and I mean, I, I know I've said in the, like I think in Pinocchio, I was talking about how beautiful Pinocchio is. But this one, this is, it's at a different level than that, and there's a depth to it. And yeah, um, I don't, I yeah, and. Yeah, actually, as we were watching, my wife said, "I wonder what this would look like in computer animation." I was like, "I, I, this is this is what I want it to look like." And I can't think of. I, I love the Pixar films, but I love them for their stories. Like, not there. I was trying to think today if there's anything in Pixar. Um, maybe certain moments in like Wall-E, like when well, Wall-E has some beautiful animation, and the the Finding Nemo movies do. The, yeah. way, the way they work with water in those movies is amazing. But mm-hmm. you'll notice that the things we're talking about are largely background stuff rather than the, the character animation. Right. I, and and, and it, it's interesting to me how uncartoonish Bambi and his mother are. They really look like deer. Yeah. 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 Thumper less so. Int- <laughs> yeah, Thumper less so. But actually, yeah, even Thumper, I guess, was was meant to, to be anatom- anatomically correct. Like, they... They did a lot of work. I mean, this is the beginning of the Disney tradition. Um, not to go back to the Lion King again, but I remember, um, you know, I was at an age that I can remember when Lion King came out. And I remember the special features that they would put on, like, ABC or whatever as part of the promotion of the film, where they have the lions coming into the studio and the, the artists all around them. Uh-huh. But that, that tradition really started at Disney with Bambi. Like, they had deer on 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 the lot and, and rabbits and skunks and, and all sorts of things. And, um, Disney sent camera, camera crews out into the woods to film them in their, 
in more natural settings and stuff. So I was gonna say, how'd um, they get the deer to to do anything in the stu- in the studio? Well, that was actually a part of the problem was that when they were caged, they could learn the anatomy and things, but they didn't see the the natural movements that they wanted um, until they got film crews out to film them in the natural habitat. So it's so unusual to be close to a deer, you know, because as soon as they see you, they're gone. Which That's this movie right. plays plays with really, really well. I mean, they they. I have been close to deer a couple times in my life because they didn't realize I was there. So it was just a couple months ago I was sitting in my car waiting for my wife to do something somewhere. And this family of deer, it was it was probably two does and a fawn, came 10 feet from my car because they must not have recognized the car as being a human thing. And, I mean, yeah. it was it was amazing to see them up that close. They're beautiful animals, and they, they move so strangely. And then they heard a noise probably half a mile away and they were they were gone in seconds and and yeah. I, I thought about that watching bambi this time because uh because they moved the way deer move they, they did a great job with that yeah i agree yeah it was um but then they still captured the the expressions of and the feelings of a human through like the facial features, right? So the face, the face is where they they become less deerish or less rabbitish or whatever. Well, um, yeah, especially Baby Bambi has those giant eyes. Yeah, um, but they they found a way to blend the two in a way that I I find is is very very convincing and, and very appropriate for for this movie. You know, like the movie feels like you are. Not just because the bad guy in the movie is man in a kind of general sense, right? But as you're watching the movie, you are relating to the animals, you're relating to the experiences that they're doing, but you also feel kind of, I mean, that whole opening shot as they just bring you into the forest, you know, um, and just you go deeper and deeper in and, or it's, you know, you're just, you're panning for so long across the forest. I think it's really to give you this, this feeling of you're glimpsing a life in the woods, you know, apart, distant, distant from, from us. And, and when human beings appear, they don't appear. You, you hear them and you see the deleterious effects mm-hmm. that they have on the forest, but, there's no, there's no actual human being in here. And man, what a villain! Uh, I mean, the the human beings in this are just a force for pure chaos. Yes. Yeah. They literally destroy the forest. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess there was some talk, you know, of of actually seeing some like the hunter also having gotten caught in his own fire that he started, um, but. I think wisely they removed that. Like I, I think the fact that man never appears other than the effects of man is 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 a better way better way to go about the movie. The, the scene the scene toward the end, right before the forest fire, when the when hunting season has begun, is amazing because mm-hmm. it's just nonstop bullets, and the bullets tear up everything. It tears up the dirt. Yeah. It tears down the plants. Of course, it kills animals. Uh, to to mm-hmm. me, the terrifying scene in the movie is not Bambi's mom. The terrifying scene is the quail. Mm-hmm. So these three yes. quail are, are sitting they're sitting in the tall grass, and one of them is just flipping out because she sees 
human beings approaching and they keep telling mm-hmm. her not to fly but she can't you know she's she's in a full full panic and flies off and you you hear her die and i mean that yeah <laughs> that's way more brutal to me even than bambi's mom dying yeah although i i gotta say from from watching the amount of cartoons i have um there's a little bit lost because they use i think they use that same sort of bullet sound effect with like yosemite sam yeah it is so, it is kind of a cartoonish You'll, yeah, we'll see it so, again in Make Mine Music, I think, with the Hatfields and the yeah, McCoys. Yeah, it, uh, unfortunately, and I know it's no no fault of the Disney animators because, um, well, I'm not sure when Yosemite Sam was was entered the scene, but that's that's kind of the uh, the hunter I perceived in my mind with the the bullets ricocheting every that you know where you were just talking about where the, it's bouncing off of everything and shooting at shooting at chipmunks as well as you know it's like what's he hunting for you know yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hey, I don't know anything about I don't know anything about hunting. I don't know if you know anything about hunting, but it seems like Bambi's mom dies out of season. Like you don't hunt at the end of winter, do you? Isn't isn't deer season in the fall? Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. Sorry. But... <laughs> you know, whatever. You and I you and I both grew up in suburbs. That's right. I've never yeah. even held a gun. Um, uh, yeah, so I, it, it, I think she dies out of season, though, which I, just goes to show you how the human beings in this movie fail to respect limits. I mean, that's the whole thing with the the forest fire. They're not they don't set that on purpose. We see it happen, but they they've left their fire going in the middle of mm-hmm. the forest while they're not there, which is, you know, I'm not an outdoorsman, but I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to do that. Yeah, yeah. Although this film predates Smokey Bear, so. They just didn't know. Have you ever seen the Humphrey the Bear cartoons? Not that I'm aware of. They're wonderful. I'm sure they're on YouTube. Um, and I can't remember which one this is. It's one of the first two. Uh, but they're, they are Disney's attempt at doing a Looney Tunes style animation. Mm-hmm. And there's one where uh, Humphrey has been told that he has to pick up all the paper in the park. And if he does... Uh, the ranger will feed him chicken cacciatore, uh, which is already funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he can't figure out what to do with them, so he's, he he collects all the paper and he's about to set on, set it on fire. And he looks up and Smokey the Bear is there, and he says, "Only you can prevent forest fires." And then I wish this was a video podcast so you could see what I mean. <laughs> but he, uh, it's like he's a paper doll, and he just kind of bounces out of the scene. <laughs> It's one of the it's one of the funniest things in the entire Disney catalog. Alright. I'm so gonna have to look it, for it on YouTube. It's too bad he didn't show up here. Definitely would have had a different effect on the movie, I think. But. <laughs> would have taken you out of it. <laughs> yeah. What did you think about the backgrounds? I thought the backgrounds were really amazing. Yeah, I agree. The backgrounds I think were again, like I just this is what I this is what I want my animation to look like. I just I found it very and I like um, so I know a little bit from from looking at the documentaries that the part part of the reason why they went with this impressionistic style that they did was because at first when they were trying to to draw the forests very realistically it was hard to differentiate between the characters and and the background because forests mm-hmm. are just so busy um, so instead they tried to um, just give you that feel of a forest uh, without the hyper-realisticness of it. Uh, but I find it 
incredibly effective. Like I just, I, I found myself for a lot of the movie looking at the background rather than what was happening with the, the characters. Impressionist is right. I mean, there's a, a quality of abstraction there. The, the scene the scene that amazed me, and I don't know that this was on purpose, but I'm going to pretend it was, when Bambi, um, I think it's when he first meets Faylene, he, she's very aggressive, and, and he, uh, he backs up into this tree, and the tree, mm-hmm. although it's part of the foreground, is still animated in the background style, so it's, mm-hmm. he, it's, like he, it's like he backs out of the forest and into an impressionist painting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you see it in a couple places uh, when the when the deer come running through the forest when you right. uh, when they first enter, they they're a little more impressionistic as well. So there's it's a, almost pink elephants on parade. It's not it's not a million miles away from that. Oh, that's really interesting because it's yeah. that hyper stylized, but not cartoony the way pink elephants on parade is. It's not realistic, but it's not. It doesn't look like a cartoon. Yeah. The, the other time you see it is when Bambi is fighting with his stag rival over Faleen. Mm, they, they stop yes. looking like deer and start looking like abstract lines. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that scene also being really upsetting as a child. Like, not really. I, I, I say that wrong. I, it wasn't like I was traumatized by it. But, like, even even just watching it yesterday, when he's chasing her through the clouds and stuff, and then all of a sudden that other stag appears... It's it's startling, and I was even startled by it. I had forgotten about it. <laughs> I was like, oh, I remember this feeling of like it, it it turns from a very light and happy sort of thing to very dark very quickly. Weren't and, you? Um, or I, I'm I'm asking this not because I know something about your childhood, but because I think this is universal. Weren't you a little frightened by the notion of becoming a sexual being when you were a kid? I was. Yeah, I. I guess I don't I don't have real good memories of that time I guess of what of what exactly that would mean um, although we were just uh, I'm a counselor at school so we we have a lot of interesting uh, topics within the you know within our department and we were actually just talking about this the other day about that that moment of loss of innocence and what that feels like and so um, yeah there was there was a little bit of I've, I have been like trying to like bring those memories back the last last few days, and so yeah, I think you're right. I think that that is probably part of um, of that whole scene. Well, I, I mean, as as we've said now several times, the movie's about the loss of innocence, and and part of that is death, and the other part is sex, and and I think this movie does a really good job during that "Let's Sing a Gay Little Spring" song of showing how disruptive that is and how scary. I mean, that song is funny, and there's the funny scene with the owl trying to shut down, shut it down. Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, sexual desire in this movie is presented as this kind of outside attack. It's something that comes on you, even though you don't want it to. So you get you get Thumper laughing about uh, Flower and the Lady Skunk, and then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. this very cartoonish, exaggerated sexpot rabbit shows up, and he can't help it. You know, I think I think he actually is it him who turns red. Uh, the skunk turn. Well, I think maybe they both turn red. The skunk goes completely stiff and then flips over backwards. <laughs> and oh, Thumper just does his thumping. Like his, yeah, his his he he gets kissed on the nose and he just goes into hyperdrive thumping. 
and she has to like calm him back down. And, and that's played for laughs, but it's also I think I think there's a an element of menace there that that is true to human development. Mm. I guess I'm not an expert in human development, but I remember. I remember when I started, I must have been nine or ten years old, I remember when I started to understand that some pop songs were about sex, I, I remember being deeply uncomfortable with it, and, 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 mm. and I, I, I was well past Bambi at that point, but uh, yeah. like I said, I think, I, think the movie, I think the movie handles that very well. Yeah, I, I agree. What do, you, what do you feel about the fact that it's always the, the female that's the aggressor, though? Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? I thought about that because Phalene is super aggressive even when she's a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I guess when she's a fawn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's not a goat, Michael. <laughs> so, sorry. <laughs> I'd like to see a version of Bambi with goats. <laughs> it's a movie controlled by women in some ways, right? I mean, because the because the stags. Because the stags are hands-off parents, which is, mm-hmm. I, I would assume, true to life. I don't know. Um, the the pivotal force in Bambi's life is his mother. She makes all the decisions for him, so it makes sense that it makes sense that Faline would be in charge in some ways. We mm. hear about Thumper's mo- uh, father, but we don't. I don't think we ever see him. No, we don't. His his mother just kind of threatens him with his father's presence and again I don't know if rabbits mate for life or anything like that but so so it's a it's a feminized movie and even the name Bambi feels like a woman's name not a man's name hmm. yeah I don't know if, if that was always true but Bambi, Bambi is now kind of a like cultural shorthand for a stupid woman like an airheaded right. woman right yeah the man who or the the boy at the time who played the voice of, of Bambi when he grew up he would he wouldn't tell people and he was actually in the Marines. So so part funny. of the reason why he would part of the reason why he wouldn't tell people was because he was like a lieutenant or something in the Marines. He didn't want his he didn't want his men to find out. He thought he would lose you know respect and authority and all that sort of stuff. Can you they'd imagine? They'd start calling him. They'd start calling him Bambi. Lieutenant Bambi. You 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 know uh, you know they would too. I I loved the music. So the the yeah the combination of the the visuals and the music and the way they work together um, reminded me very much of uh, Fantasia. I think they're they're more tightly intertwined in this movie than um, what we've seen so far. I don't I don't know that I can compare it moving forward because I don't remember um, as well. But I feel like. Um, even when it's not like there's there's four or five sung songs in the movie, but then the the orchestration is all tied so closely to the animation throughout. Um, I noticed I that very... too, and now I can't think of the scene that I'm thinking of. Oh, it's it's all throughout. So I mean, I don't know what scene you're, you're thinking of either, but um, the way when Bambi's learning to stand and walk, um, it's like his. You know, there's always the um, the accents or whatever are always you know with with his movements. 
um, when the deer run through the forest or through the meadow, as we mentioned a minute ago, like their, their leaps are all in time with the music. Um, the, the owl, I think is what I'm thinking of. Yeah. The owl. Um, yeah, same thing. So yeah, I, I, I found that so effective. Like I, <laughs> I, I really liked it again. I was like, why, why, why isn't there more like this? Like, why, why aren't there more movies that look like Bambi? Why aren't there more movies that sound like Bambi? Um, yeah, I really liked the choral performances as well. Um, so mm-hmm. not just the orchestration, but, um, yeah, just the sound of the choir singing. I really, I really enjoy that. So, and I, I talked about little April showers and we talked briefly about love as a song, but I, I think those two songs in particular are just among the best, that that Disney ever put out. Yeah, I agree. I I sing Little April Showers all the time. Sure, sure. And that one's that one's one that made it into a lot of those Disney sing along videos. Yeah. Love yeah. is a song you don't hear as much. Although at my wedding we had a uh, we had a playlist for the reception and that song was on there. Even though Victoria won't watch the movie. Oh really? Yeah. Because it's, of the. Because of why? She just thinks it's too sad. I, You know, she probably hasn't seen it in a long time. She probably yeah. doesn't remember that the movie is not... It's really not a sad movie in its way. I mean, yeah, there are sad parts, but life goes on. Yeah, it's light, it's light and shadow, like Disney said. I think there's both... I mean, the beginning, as you said, like that first 30 minutes is so gentle is the word that you used, which I think is a perfect word for it. And it's also just, it's joyous, mm-hmm. you know, it's new, new life in the forest. Um, it was, I mean, again, watching this back to back with the Lion King, it was amazing. All the things that I saw where the Lion King drew from this, because the Lion King starts exactly the same way with all the animals being excited about the birth of a new, new, new baby, you know, new prince. Um, but yeah, so there's there's definitely those moments of joy. If they made Ends this movie today, though, there'd be a fart joke in that in that opening half hour because you can't have a children's movie anymore without somebody farting. Yeah, well, that's true in The Lion King. So, well, I think The Lion King yeah. was the first one. I, I don't want to keep talking about The Lion King, but I think The Lion King is where that started. Oh, really? Yeah. So we have we have it to blame for that. You and I are both probably of an age where we can't emotionally be too critical of The Lion King. Yeah, I I can't. I I think The Lion King is is probably one of their best movies, but um, we'll talk about that in twenty thirty eight or whatever. That's right. <laughs> we, we get, get to. That's a long way away from where we are now. And it, yeah, you're right. I don't want to spend so much time on it when when we're what we're talking about is Bambi. Um, I think there are things in The Lion King where where they learned and did better than Bambi, but I think there's a lot in Bambi that they drew from, and there's that are frankly just better in Bambi, like. Well, that's been one of the pleasures of watching these is watching Disney learn from the movies it's already done and build on them. Lately, I mean, you talked about the music with Fantasia. That's that that's where they got that from. So they do the innovation, and then they just keep building on top of it. And each each movie, with the possible exception of Dumbo, gets more sophisticated in its animation than the ones that came before. And I would say even Dumbo has some really sophisticated, beautiful scenes, like yeah. like Pink Elephants. Yeah, so since you mentioned Dumbo, um, oh, do you want to say more about the music? Because I can, I can come back to this topic. 
Uh, I, I feel like I I mostly talked on the music and you didn't say anything. Do you want to I, say anything I, about the music? I, I said I said that love is a song and literally I I, I don't care so much for uh, let's sing a gay little spring song. Yeah, but it does what it needs to do. Yeah, yeah, good music and Bambi. That's what I say. And I, I believe um, the composers are the same they used for the previous four movies. I'm looking that up. Yeah, so um, it's two people, Ollie Johnson. It's two people. No, Ollie Johnson is the illustrator. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Oliver Wallace is who I'm thinking of. And Edward. Yeah. Edward. No. Ed, so Edward Plum does this. I'm wrong. It's not the same people. Okay. Paul J. Smith it's Frank, did Snow White. Lee Harlan it's Frank, did. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> what were you saying? Yeah, go ahead. I was saying Frank Frank Churchill did the the songs the in this and also in Snow White. Um, and then, but he didn't do the, he didn't do the orchestration. He did more like the melodies of, um, Love is a Song and, uh, uh, April Showers and stuff. He did the melodies and maybe some of the lyrics, but, uh, there was somebody else and I don't know who, who did the, the actual orchestration of the, of the, of the film. Edward H. Plum. Okay. Who will team up? I, I have all the soundtracks here on my computer. That's what I'm looking at. He will he will team up with Paul J. Smith, who did Snow White for uh, Solidos Amigos. Okay. Yeah, Frank Churchill actually tragically committed suicide after this after this movie. Jeez. I think even before Jeez. it was out, maybe. Yeah. Well, that makes the movie darker. Yeah, definitely. So. Um. Yeah, so you had mentioned Dumbo, not to move too quickly from that, but in the same way that Bambi does, just jump from one to 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 a gay little song here. Um, so the in Dumbo, you see a very touching scene between the mom and and Dumbo in the oh, what's what's the song? Um, Baby mine. Baby mine. That's right. So in the book Hollywood cartoons. American Animation and Its Golden Age by Michael Barrier. Um, he talks, he, he makes a juxtaposition between the scene uh, with Baby Mine and the scene of uh, Bambi's mother dying. All right, so what he says is, when a hunter kills Bambi's mother, the film toils mightily to generate a tear by taking the fawn through the, sh- through the snow until he confronts his father and, and learns the worst. Dumbo's most affecting moment is, by comparison, tactfully understated, even given that its constricted staging did not permit any grand gestures. When the young elephant is reunited with his imprisoned mother, only her trunk can reach him through the bars. He is momentarily joyful, but tears well in his eyes as he gazes upward at her, and then, in a spasm of grief, he clutches her trunk. And this is the part I want you to speak to. Bambi's loss of his mother can be moving because it appeals to emotions that are real, as anyone knows who has watched the film in a theater full of small children. But in Dumbo, what happens is real. Huh, I, I don't understand the distinction. Do you? Um, I'm not sure that I do. And so that was part of why I wanted to ask you about it and see what you thought. Um I do think it's interesting, two movies coming out back to back and, you know, as we were just talking about, the way that they learn from each other, the way that, um, in this case, they've been working on Bambi. They actually started work on Bambi during production of Snow White. So Bambi's been working for a real long time. And some of that was 
was purposeful and some of that was troubles with production with not knowing exactly how to tell the story um with not being able to when at the time when they started um as we already spoke about they they really wanted to go for the realistic anatomy and they were trying to find out you know first of all train their artists to draw in that way instead of the typical you know cartoon way if you look at the the deer and the other animals and Snow White and compare them to the deer and Bambi, you'll see um, very <laughs> a very big difference in as far as how they how they move and what like Snow Whites are very cartoony versus uh, the more realistic ones in in Bambi. Um, and then also uh, they they basically had a couple lead animators who were who were doing most of the scenes. So um, anyway. When our, the point I'm trying to get to is that within the studio they are learning, they are doing, they are doing things, and so um, they're they're trying to get to these these points where movies can move us and and have those uh, emotional impacts. And so it's inter- I think there is an interesting comparison to be drawn between the two movies and how they deal with uh, mother-child relationships and the removal of the mother from the picture. Um, there may be something interesting to say there. I'm not sure if I if I catch exactly what this author is saying. What I would say, I think, is that the scene in Dumbo is moving to parents more than to children, and the scene in Bambi is the opposite. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Because I don't remember being moved by that scene in Dumbo at all when I was a kid, but now, even as a non-parent, I can look at that and, and see how how incredibly sad it is as we mm-hmm. talked about last time, whereas right. I think even the very youngest children would understand the, the, the scene in Bambi is rough. Right. Yeah. And because you're what you're, yeah, you're, yeah. In Bambi, you're watching him react and you're seeing, you're seeing the full force of his emotion, that fear and the, of the unknown and, and everything. So yeah, I think, Very astute, as always, Michael. You said in our pre-show conversation that you thought I must hate Thumper. I did, because, let's see, um, you're, you're... just so listeners who maybe haven't heard all the way through or those who need the reminder, Michael does not like Dopey and Michael does not like Jiminy Cricket. And, uh, or, or I can't remember if you, how much you like Jiminy Cricket, but you definitely did not like Timothy Mouse. That's what I meant to say there. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So defend Thumper for us. I'm not sure I can. can, except he was my favorite. <laughs> he was my favorite when I was a kid. So I, I, don't, I don't dislike him. You know, um, yeah. I, I think I think he's a Dennis the Menace type. That's probably uh, that's probably anachronistic because I don't think Dennis the Menace existed yet. But he's this kind of lovable scamp. He he he's a he's a seven year old boy essentially, and he, mm-hmm. he he's not a bad kid, but ultimately he's a troublemaker. Uh, and that's why the scene with his mother telling him not to eat the. Uh, just the blossom from the clover is so funny because it, it feels it feels like a very real conversation between a yeah. mother and a and a son. Yeah, 
especially um, the bit where she asks him to remember what <laughs> remember what the father said, and he's oh that one, <laughs> and then he starts <laughs> to recite it, and he gets halfway through and he can't remember it. And it's, yeah, very um, yeah, very exact in the details there. And then he adds the line at the end about how bad the, the greens <laughs> yes. taste. Yeah, I remember I this that movie. I was maybe when I ate clover when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. I think Thumper there is great. He's wonderful. Um, I think in the very opening scenes, um, I, the the thought that came to me was, "Oh, Thumper's a little more annoying than I remembered." Um, but yeah, you can't you can't really dislike him. He's but. I don't dislike Timothy Mouse or, or Dopey either. So, but and, and of course, I mean, Flower steals the show, right? Everybody loves Flower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which and that was another thing that I noticed. Uh, again, just you know, watching these in rapid succession helps you helps you maybe pick things out that you wouldn't before. There were certain things in uh, in actually both in Thumper and in Flower's movements. Uh, in their bashfulness, um, that remind me very much of bashful from from Snow White. I'm, one, I'm, I'm thinking probably the same animators are working on on things there. Uh, and Flower, Adult Flower, is played by Sterling Holloway, who played the stork in Dumbo, and who will go on to play Winnie the Pooh and a thousand other Disney characters. So it's nice yeah. to hear him. I don't think any. I don't. I didn't recognize any other voices. Yeah, I actually missed that that was Sterling Holloway. So it's a relatively small how. part. I mean, he doesn't. Yeah, he, Adult Flower doesn't say very much. Yeah. Basically, yeah, says that that'll never happen to him. <laughs> well, I was surprised because I thought Flower was a girl. Yeah, I remember always thinking that as a kid, and I don't. Yeah, I don't know how. I don't know how my young mind worked as far as you know the later scene where where he does get Twitterpated, but definitely in the in the opening scene, when Bambi first meets him, he seems like, comes across very feminine. What percentage of pet skunks do you think are named Flower? Or Pepe Le Pew? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I bet between the two of them, it's 85%. Gotta be. You know, my my favorite scene with Flower is when they wake him up in the winter, and he's like, "Okay, good night." <laughs> all flowers sleep in the winter. Is that what he says? Yeah, all flower. Yeah, all flowers sleep in the winter. You know, I looked it up, and skunks don't hibernate. Oh, really? I don't know if maybe they thought they did in 1943, mm-hmm. or if uh, if if they just didn't care. But skunks. Yeah. It, the thing I read said that skunks sleep longer in the winter, but they don't they don't hibernate. Hmm. Yeah, but he misses he misses the ice then, you know, as they're playing on the ice there. So, but which is too bad because he's probably the one who's most equipped for it, as far as uh, <laughs> as far as fur goes. Hey, what do deer do in the winter? That's what I I found myself wondering. Do they really <laughs> just not eat anything all winter? They can't. I mean, they, they would die, wouldn't they? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Well, they they eat that bark apparently, but then it, in the late winter when I I man I I love the winter scenes. Yeah, me too. The, the winter part of this movie is so good. So I mean, starting with when he first discovers snow, it's so fun. Like it's such a fun scene. But also, as we talked about before, just the 
the contrast of the of the background to the foreground is just it's so minimalist and sharp in in the way that you know Bambi and Thumper stand out from everything else that's happening on screen. Um, and then once Bambi and his mother are plowing through the you know through the hard winter storms and and eating the barks off the trees and stuff and the way that they show the passage of the time by the way the bark just gets higher and higher on the tree to the point where they can't even reach it anymore i think that's all wonderful but i have no idea what real deer do is this the first snow we've seen oh good question no i think there's snow in pinocchio maybe not i don't remember i don't remember either the snow is beautifully animated yeah it's lovely so I guess what the way they did the the big snow the blizzardy scenes is actually uh, they filmed cornflakes in slow motion falling cornflakes in slow motion. Really? Wow! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. I, I can't imagine what that means. <laughs> That's how they captured like what 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 that looks like like how you know the the huge flakes falling um that's that's what they studied in order to to create i guess because they're in california they, they couldn't oh sure sure that makes I, I was thinking why didn't they just go look at the snow but that makes that makes sense it doesn't snow in california yeah. well and i well i don't know how 1940s camera equipment would even hold up to, to film in a blizzard i don't know if you could even do it that's true maybe Maybe you could. I don't it's know. Snow, it snowed here yesterday, so I uh, I watched the movie while it was snowing. It was it was kind of yeah. fun. Yeah, the snow scenes are awesome. One thing I like about the snow scenes, and and you get it in the scenes before that as well, is that Bambi is beautiful, but he's not graceful. So he's always falling down even before he gets out on the ice. He can barely walk. Mm. And I, right. I I just I really think that's just uh, that's just a wonderful detail. Because you you look at a deer, especially a baby one, and you wonder how they walk at all. Their legs yeah. are so long. <laughs> it's true. Kind of wobbly, yeah. aren't you? That's what uh, Thumper <laughs> says. <laughs> yeah. A rude thing to say. <laughs> Bambi should have just kicked him. <laughs> then he'd fall, probably yeah. fall down. Yeah. But yeah, he he is. The kicking comes in handy later when he's. Uh, I don't know if we want to move move towards the. The end of the movie when he um, is fighting off the dogs. What a scene! That must have been uh, terrible to animate. So I heard, or not heard, I, I watched. I watched the bonus features on uh, on the movie, and that was one of the first uh, big scenes animated by a woman. And now I can't remember her name, which is going to make me really irritated. It wasn't Mary Blair, um, was it? No, it wasn't. Um, because I, I know her from you mentioning her before. Um, we'll actually physically see her in Salados Amigos, by the way. Not oh, to, really? Not to spoil. Th- yeah, there's live action segments in Salados Amigos, and you can see her. Okay. Yeah. So apparently, yeah, this was this was kind of a big thing because it's the one of the first uh, major scenes, major animated scenes that are animated by a woman. That's so fascinating because it's the most what you would call masculine scene in the entire movie. Sisters are doing it for themselves. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. 
But yeah, that's a that's a, that's an amazingly animated scene. I just I, I can't imagine animating anything, but particularly something with that many moving pieces. Each of those dogs yeah. moves on its own. Like they're not moving as a whole; they're moving in different directions. Their mouths mm-hmm. are opening at different times. I just like the the attention to detail there is amazing. Yeah, I agree, and it's such a again this, the way this movie moves so quickly from uh, one emotional feel to another. Uh, but in a way that's not off-putting or jarring. Uh, I mean, it's it's jarring, but not jarring in a like pull you out of the movie way, right? Like, don't you moments think that's, before, that's what it feels like to be a kid? I think so. I think that's the that's one of the big things that I got out of watching the movie this time is like Bambi is experiencing everything for the first time, and we're doing that with him, and so. Yeah, April showers. It's the first time he's like seen rain, then first time he's seen snow, and then first time he's seen another deer, and you know, uh, yeah, first time he's been in a fight, first time he's, you know, whatever. It's very, yeah, it's great. Who shoots a deer that's jumping over a chasm, by the way? Bambi gets shot when he is jumping from one peak to another. Yeah. Like, did they just have the gun trained up in the air waiting for a deer to jump across the chasm, or what? It makes me... (laughs) This is is horrible, I guess, but um, when we were kids and we used to play on our Sega Genesis, you know, um, there's lots of jumping from one thing to another. And we used to be... Uh, mean to each other by pausing, like right when somebody's in the middle of the jump, because then when you <laughs> when you unpause, they would just fall down, like the like it was like a glitch in the system, like the the jump wouldn't continue the way that you'd expect it to, like after you unpause, it just go straight down. So, how were we friends to... if you were a Sega Genesis person? Yeah. I was, yeah. I, I've had a Super you... Nintendo. Oh yeah, yeah, we wouldn't have been friends at the time, but but I think it just yeah, it goes back to the way that man is portrayed in in the movie in general, right? It's just, there's, there's no safe spot. There's no, you know, with the, the first hunting scene where shots are being fired all over the place and places where you wouldn't expect them to be shot. Same thing here. Yeah. There's just the human beings have no restraint in this movie. It must be, if you're a deer, what you think of human beings. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is like, there's no sense from the deer themselves that the human beings are breaking the rules. We know that as human beings, but the deer, like, this is just what they have to live with. This is just what it's like to be a deer. Mm. I guess. I don't know. We'll have to ask a deer. (laughs) If we can get close enough to one. (laughs) That's right. The next time you're in your car, just roll down the window.
Well, every I th- I think I have liked every movie we've seen more than the one before it. Uh, that will not be that will not be true for a while. <laughs> <laughs> we've peaked. <laughs> well, we we are not going to see a movie as good as Bambi for uh, till sometime next summer, I think. Yeah. And in some ways, I don't know that we're going to see another one as good as Bambi. You think I mean, it's there, the there are things. Peak? I don't know that it's the pinnacle of. I mean, I think it depends on what you're judging it on. So there, there's really, there's not much story to Bambi, and I think that's purposeful. And there's like, you know, it's like, um, it's the wrong, it's the wrong measurement to take, right? Like, right. Bambi is Bambi is poetry or something. Yeah, right? it's, it's a mood. And, it's a mood movie. Yeah. Um, and so for that, I don't I don't know that we've that we're gonna get something else that is at that level, right? That's that's doing what Bambi is trying to do. It's hard to think of one because even even The Lion King is much more plot driven than this, even though the plot is superficially very similar to Bambi. Yeah, I mean maybe maybe getting outside of Disney, like maybe you know some of Miyazaki's films or something would be close, but sure. I think. As far as now, there's other movies that I enjoy more, and there's other movies that if I'm looking for if I'm looking for story, then you know, if I'm using that as a measurement, then Bambi's not going to be there. But just as far as like the way it looks, the way it feels, the music, the the cuteness of it, the the shifting emotions of it, I think it's it's got to be near the top. One thing we've talked about on previous episodes is whether whether you can count this as art, and I think there's mm-hmm. part I think there's parts of Bambi that are absolutely art. I, I, I think there's there's there, there's scenes that you would want to put with the best that human beings have produced. Not the whole movie, and I mean there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of cartoonish parts of the movie, but some of the animation, some of the music, I I, I really think holds up against almost anything so even even more so than fantasia fantasia is trying so hard this movie feels effortlessly or feels effortless excuse me yeah i agree yeah there's so many moments in this movie that you could just pause and you know that that's a scene that you could hang on a wall or whatever you know so Um, i think what we're saying is it is a shame that this movie is mostly known for making children cry yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and in fairness, you know, the, not everyone who watches this movie is going to feel this way. My my wife only made snide comment, comments around the movie. She didn't like it at all. Your wife, so, uh, your wife sounds very negative, Josh. She uh, she she hated <laughs> Phantom of the Opera too. That's right. I portray her badly on the podcast. I shouldn't do that. <laughs> That's okay. Um, if uh, if Victoria hadn't been on last time, I think our our listeners would just think she does nothing but cry at movies. Yeah, which is I, uh, also I, true. Yeah, I accused my wife last night of not enjoying any movies, and then she she told me the ones that she does enjoy. So, well, so but. far this is this has been the big revelation for me. The other the other movies I th- I thought about them basically what I expected to think about them. This one, even from watching it a couple years ago, I didn't I didn't think that I was going to. I was going to esteem quite as highly as I I did. I thought Dumbo was going to be the peak of early Disney, and I really think mm-hmm. I really think this is it. I think it blows it blows everything that came before it out of the water. Yeah, I I want to agree with you, and 
but you know, I and the, my only hesitation is that I always feel really high right after I see something. That's and true. And then after time around, ro- you know, after you come off that emotional high a little bit of of having just seen it, then then maybe your opinion is different. And but by, by the way, I'm still reserving Night on Bald Mountain, Ave Maria, as the best sequence we've seen so far. Yes, but well, I, I think I, we both I, agree that as a movie, Fantasia is shaky. Yeah, definitely much more shaky than Bambi. And I think you're right. I think I think Bambi does what Fantasia was aspiring to better than Fantasia did. Although it's as far as sorry, I should I should just clarify that Bambi does what Fantasia was aspiring to emotionally, I think, better than Fantasia did. Fantasia was also had the goal of introducing classical music to popular audiences and Bambi obviously is not aspiring to try and do that. Yeah, I think we can agree that Fantasia does a better job introducing classical music than Bambi does. <laughs> <laughs> but the orchestration I love on Bambi. So, I mean, one of the documentaries on the, or, you know, whatever the bonus features was saying that uh, in some ways the, the orchestration in this movie is uh, a pastoral for kids um, oh, that's interesting. I think that's not not a bad description of it. As far as I mean, I'm not a music critic, so I can't I can't really speak well to that. But I think we should get somebody who knows a lot about orchestral soundtracks to come on and talk about some of these because because I I feel inadequate to talk about them. Yeah. Well. Yeah, and I I. I love talking to you every week, but I, I do say at the beginning of each show that this is a conversation and we want uh, people to join it. And so uh, if you're, you know, if you're listening and you're like, hey, that's me, <laughs> then get in touch. We would love to love to include you um, in a different way in the conversation. So that would be that would be fun. I feel like in some ways uh, in doing this and I'm not saying that we should do this, but I feel like you could almost cycle through these movies and have new things to say. Like by the time we get through all the movies, we could almost start over and have different people come in to talk about them. Or we would see different things in them because, you know, like you said, you're seeing different things in it now than you did two years ago. Um, so, yeah. Well, and they get recontextualized by the ones that come after them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is there anything else that you wanted to say about Bambi? I think we have exhausted my notes. We have said a lot based on our pre-show conversation, um, where neither of us was <laughs> sure how much we were going to be able to carry the conversation. I feel like it went. I feel like it went quite well. Agreed. Um, well, before they were live, is a proud member of the Christian Humanist Radio Network. Uh, we'd love to hear from you, so please help us continue this conversation by emailing us at before they were live at gmail.com. Or you can visit our website, beforetheywere.live, and you can click on the Join the Conversation button. While you're there, be sure to check out our vault of old shows, and you can also check the show notes for Curiosities, uh, Bibliography, and any corrections that we come up with along the way. And uh, Kristen Philippic is our press liaison. And for Michael and myself, Josh Altmanshofer, we thank you for joining us for this conversation.